got a this is Kelvin and welcome to episode 41 of Res Metal Podcasts. On this episode, I was lucky enough to talk with Aaron Carey, the guitarist vocalist of the black metal band Nichachuan. Uh If you didn't notice, I changed the opening song. I um, got permission to use the track Fire in the Sky from Tribal Kills, so I was always a big fan of that, big fan of that EP that came out in 2020, and that song too, just super heavy and super groovy, um, I dig it. Um, so on this episode, um, you know, I got a chance to talk with Aaron Carey, and we talk about a lot of things, you know, um, I mainly want to focus on the Chachuan. Uh Aaron Carey is also involved in a couple of different projects. Um, some of them include uh, Coldfell's Infirmary and Unwilling Flesh. And he's also a pretty accomplished uh, solo uh, acoustic uh, guitarist. Um, and then we mainly focus on a majority of the interview on the new album that's coming out uh, this spring. The new Nachachuan album is called Canal Black and it's coming out through Bind Rune Recordings. The album doesn't have a release date yet, but I would just follow Nachachuan and Bind Rune Recordings and, you know, just stay updated because uh, when that new album comes out, I'm pretty sure it's going to sell fast, the the vinyl uh, anyway, because um, a lot of the Nachachuan stuff is hard to find on vinyl. Um, yeah, we also talk about, you know, kind of his background and um, just, you know, the how he stays connected with the uh, the culture and language of the Shawnee and Algonquin. That connection to the language and culture uh, is really well represented on the album The Heart of Akamon, and that's uh, Nachachuan's third album. And I would really, really like highly recommend listening to that whole album, or if possible, like you know, get a hold of the physical uh, CD because there's a the booklet that has the lyrics, the stories behind the lyrics, and the meaning of the languages that he uses. So uh, really cool. Um, All right, I'm going to play a quick clip of the new song, Canal Black. Um, And then uh, after the interview, I'll go ahead and play uh, the entire track. So check it out. Whereabouts are you at right now? Uh, I live in the very northern part of West Virginia. Uh, I'm about 40 miles west of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Oh, gosh. Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh's real close. And that storm just came up. uh, I think it started somewhere, Texas or New Mexico or somewhere, and it's just huge. 
And, uh, yeah, we get these like freezing rain, sleet things all night. And then, uh, a couple inches of snow on top of that. So, uh, it's been bad this winter for this stuff. And, and I keep getting uh, classes canceled. Um, so I've spent a lot of time teaching from home lately and, uh, doing calls and things. So I'm used to this format of talking on the phone and, uh, zoom and, Google Duo and all these things, um, you know, when the pandemic hit, all my students went online. So um, I can relate to what you do with your podcast, not in that way, but in my own way of, you know, the yeah. technology stuff. Yeah, with your <laughs> with your work life and your professional life, yeah. Um, Absolutely, you yeah. You're, you're teach, where do you, or what do you teach, or, and uh, where do you teach at? Um, I teach... Mainly, mainly guitar stuff. Uh, I teach at two uh, studios, private lessons, and uh, some at home as well for some local people. And then I teach at a small college, and I just started a program over at, um, it's an alternative high school for at-risk youth. And um, it's turned out really great so far, and I I think I'm going to be teaching some other classes, but... uh, We've been really scattered with the weather and with some of the staff having COVID and it's just, it's been a mess getting it together, but it's a good group of people, you know, they don't pay a lot, but it's, you're passionate about it. And and a lot of these kids are are from really kind of messed up situations. Uh, So it feels good to do it. I think it's cool. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. I mean, especially like you said, at risk people and, you know, especially that, that age population, high school, it's like, yeah, definitely got to mold them into, you know, becoming adults. So that's, that's really good that you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I think, uh, just society in general, there's, there's something, there's something missing from a lot of people's lives, but, um, I think it's awesome though, that when I was in school, they didn't have anything like that. And there was a lot of people that could have need, you know, they would have needed that and it could have helped them. And I was in high school, you know, 25, almost 30 years ago now. So uh, these kids have uh, something that addresses their issues. They're not just like, hey, you're a bad kid. Go to the principal's, principal's office. They're like, you have autism. You have drug addiction in your family. You have this, you have that. Uh, no wonder you're having issues with your behavior, with depression, with suicidal tendencies, things like that, you know, so um, I'm glad they're taking a a more realistic approach to things 30 years later. It seems like they just lumped everybody together as bad kids before, so, you know, it's a step in the right direction. We've got a lot of work to do, though, for sure. I think ever since, like, junior high, high school, I've always just been kind of just like a like a quiet person, but I've always been like drawn to like listening to music and especially like, um, like heavier music. And that just kind of stayed with me like all throughout school, all throughout high school. And then, you know, I would move to like different places, you know, you know, go to college and then, you know, and have to like start fresh. And, but I always like, you know, listen to music to like, that was like my, like where I felt safe and just, yeah, it still sticks with me today. Even like now when I, came out here to start working it's just something i you know hang on to and um, primarily black metal 
death metal kind or? of all over the place i mean i got into metal when back when the new metal was a uh, was you know really big like in the early 2000s that's when i went to high school yeah um and then okay uh kind of from there just slowly started getting into more like you know faster and more like heavier stuff but i think i first got into like slayer like my sophomore year and then from there it kind of just was just like downhill from there um started listening to more like death metal and black metal um and yeah it's just it's just been like a progression like that and then i kind of just settled into like you know primarily i listened to a lot of like um uh, mostly just like death metal i feel like but um i'm pretty pretty mindful of you know the stuff i listen to like if it's like a you know if the, if the artwork has like a like a mutilated like messed up person i'm usually not going to listen to that i'm like yeah that's not for me um, I, yeah you could you could put me in that category too i mean that stuff is fun for like two seconds when you're younger i guess um no offense that you know how how influential bands like uh cannibal corpse are and you know i listen to that stuff growing up but it, it doesn't hold my attention very well at all you know uh for anything i want that to be my like channel to nature bands that are more i don't know a little more philosophical i guess uh maybe you're um uh, saying the same thing too you know um i i followed a similar path i guess slayer was one of my first loves in in metal it went from like you know i guess this is the story everybody tells but um Metallica and Iron Maiden to Slayer to Death and Pestilence and Carcass and such. And then I think it was like, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit older than you. First band I was in around here was in 1992. And it was like one of those kind of dark throne things where we had a couple demos that were straight up death metal and we were listening to dismember and pungent stench and master and stuff like that. And then the drummer's like, Hey, I got these tapes dubbed for me from, uh, you know, emperor and enslaved like the Hordain's land and, you know, wrath of the tyrant and stuff and Samuel and mortal. We started listening to all that stuff. And that was about 93 when that stuff started hitting 94 and overnight we were like, let's be black metal <laughs> and first band around here that I know of. And, uh, we started talking to other bands and playing shows with the other bands. They say, Hey man, have you heard of this band dying fetus? Have you heard of, um, you know, internal bleeding stuff like that? And all those bands are still around. It's pretty amazing mm -hmm. that, um, yeah, that they're still, still kicking, you know, but, uh, overall, I think, my favorite stuff, I don't know, on any given day is either traditional Maiden, King Diamond, Merciful Fate type stuff or um, not too heavy or too obscure, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. Um, I like a lot of these bands. It's on um, the label we were on before. Um, it's a label called Nordvis in uh, northern Sweden. Uh, the band Saiva, Leg. Um, these bands are like, um, at least Saiva is into Sami culture, which is their Aboriginal, you know, roots in Arctic parts of Sweden. And there's a lot of crossover to American Indian culture. 
and uh, really interesting things that uh, that we had in common. And uh, so those are the bands that I put on. They're like a little more atmospheric. And if you haven't heard of those before, I could like I could turn you on to some of those records. There, I think you'd enjoy them. I, just to give you a background, man, like where I'm coming from with all this stuff, it's kind of weird. Um, I didn't grow up on a reservation, you know. Mm-hmm. I grew up hearing stories from my mom and my uncles about, you know, grandma. Grandma would take us out and teach us roots and stuff and she'd take us hunting and she was like really good with a shotgun and she could shoot a pheasant like not even not even looking you know mm-hmm. and i'm like oh okay well what's up with that it's like well she's an indian like it's a really vague thing to tell a kid i was like what do you mean she's an indian like well yeah like and over the years i've made sense of that is that our family line goes back to a family called king um and Jaeger, these two families, these are, you know, very, like, white names uh, given to these people. And, uh, like, I'm trying to condense, like, a whole history lesson into this conversation for this to make sense. But basically, there was this point in time where Andrew Jackson says, get your ass out. You got you to gotta move west of the Mississippi and get out of here. And some people are like, well, I'm married to this white person or I have kids here. Like, I don't want to leave. There were some people that went West and there were some people that stayed here and farmed and cut their hair and became Christian and such. So I started tracing back my ancestry from the time I was probably, you know, 13, 14 and, and discovering metal at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, um, just by chance there was, um, that guy I was talking about in my band, uh, the drummer, is like, hey, you need to write this guy. Back then, there's no email. We wrote letters and traded tapes. And he's like, this guy plays in a band called Roger Boar. I think maybe the first or one of the very first bands on Relapse Records. He's like, this guy plays drums. He's an Indian. You should write to him. He has some camaraderie, you know. So I started writing to that guy, uh, Chris Allen, or Andaqua, as I know him. And uh, he's been my mentor. Uh, I don't know if you'd say Chief, you'd say Okima. Um, and I learned so much from him and was able to trace back uh, my heritage through a lot of books, a lot of documents, and with his help and stuff. It's not something that's handed to you on a plate here. And there's so many people that are like, oh, yeah, I hear all these stories in my family. and um, But I'm not like a, an enrolled member of any tribe. I just traced it back to Mekiche Shawnee and Lenape in the 1800s. And uh, I've found everything that I could possibly find and uh, I visited all those places and the grave sites and stuff. And uh, it's been a lifelong journey yeah. connecting with it. Awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I have so, the, the, the CD booklet for the heart of uh, Akamon and yeah, yeah, it's very, uh, very, ex- the, the background and, you know, how you were able to get your, um, I guess your, the kind of like your your background and research um throughout this album um it was i was really blown away by that and i mean i 
was flipping through it uh, earlier wow, today. You. But yeah, yeah. If you know people listening um, are are more curious, I mean, there's the. I would recommend, yeah, definitely picking up this uh, the Heart of Akamon CD and kind of going through the um, the booklet with the lyrics and with the the stories behind the lyrics. Like it's, it was really really cool. I mean, I've never really like you know had a I don't listen to music like that, you know, a lot of times it's just pretty straightforward lyrics with the thank you list, but, um, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's really, that's really interesting. Um, and you said that the, um, the, the tribal, uh, affiliation that you kind of like, um, talk about, and especially with the lyrics, uh, you mentioned that, but, um, is, is that mostly just Shawnee? Yeah, this goes back to Shawnee and, and Lenape, and well, I mean, right in my immediate area, like my friend Andaqua is is Wyandot and Miami and Shawnee, and um, the group that I grew up as part of was separate from my own family. This was a group of people in the Laurel Highlands of Pennsylvania called the Laurel, the Loyal Hannah Band. This is named for Loyal Hannah Creek that goes through uh, a rocky gorge and and the. Laurel Highlands of Pennsylvania, a very remote, uh, basically a wilderness, uh, just east of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And uh, when I connected with that group, I found you know various tribal ancestries, if that's a word, um, going going way back for all of us. And you know, so it was kind of a. Uh, amalgamation of groups just like uh here right across the river from where i grew up was a uh, mango town mango wasn't really a tribe it was uh mango is a corruption of minkwa which means like mixed mixed blood groups so um yeah there's there's strength in numbers and when you find other people that are you know trying to um, sorry. That's okay. Distracted there for a second. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Um, when you find other people that are that are doing the same thing, uh, it it's really good. And so uh, I was part of that group for for many years, and uh, it's come and gone and come back again, and it it's hard to keep together. There were uh, there were some issues uh, with drugs drugs and alcohol. There were some issues with uh being busy with work and family and such and um we don't get together very often and uh so Nachachwan is my main connection with um uh keeping it part of my life you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah no that's that's really cool yeah I, i'm i'm just uh, kind of i'm just really blown away by the amount of like um you know the 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 detail and just like, um, you know, the, the complexity of, of the music that you play. And then on top of that, there's the, you know, the, the stories, um, within the lyrics. It's just, um, it's really, it's really cool. Um, there's, a you know, there's a, a couple bands out here, um, around the Navajo area, um, who, you know, do use, um, like the, the Navajo language and culture, and a lot of it, um, a lot of it is uh, within the the black metal style of music. 
Um, there's, a, there's, there's been quite a few around here. Um, some of the people I, I spoke with um, doing my podcast, um, uh, I think it's, um, I, I, I kind of, just kind of my own observation, it, it, it kind of, it seems like, you know, um, I, I, I would say myself included, you know, when we're growing up, um, we kind of get distracted with kind of like our, with what we're taught uh, from our family and our traditions and, you know, especially mm-hmm. going through high school and college. And then like, once we're all done with that, once we're kind of like, kind of, you know, we, we get out of that, um, that lifestyle that like, you know, superficial, like, um, kind of city atmosphere. And then we, you know, we, 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 we go back to that, you know, what we were, um, taught and, you know, we try to reconnect. Um, I've been, I've been trying to do that, you know, more since I've been out of school, you know, my, my school and training was just, you know, really intense, but I think, um, having that, uh, connection, um, kind of grew my connection with, I guess, my culture kind of really, uh, grew, you know, cause I was going through such a strenuous, uh, like a school and training program that, you know, I needed something to keep me grounded. Um, sure. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's something that I, I really, you know, want to work on, you know, keep, keep learning, um, the language and, you know, just keep, um, you know, staying in touch with, uh, like our traditional stories and, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's plenty of people out here that are connected and are fluent speakers. And, you know, I just, I think that was another thing too, about me coming back out here. I really wanted to kind of get more in touch with that. Um, yeah, I, I think the, this podcast is probably part of that as well. I mean, that keeps you connected to other people and, um, yeah, like you were talking about language, it's been one of my biggest interests and, um, you know, it's a scattered thing that, uh, the language that I primarily look at and study is Shawnee. And I've read there's, you know, maybe 200 speakers left or something. Um, I don't know how accurate that is now, but a lot of my resources are historical documents and things and lists that I got from this group that I was part of, of words that we used for various things in, in our, uh, our gatherings and um, the documents that I've had from other places are more recent. They're not the old mountain language, as I call it. Um, languages change over time, especially when people are displaced. And uh, like uh, I have the book of Matthew from, from the Bible translated into Shawnee by Thomas Wildcat Alfred, the grandson of Tecumseh. And you read the words in there and it's like, these are way different than the words that I learned. At that time, there was a lot of like Muskogee, uh, uh, Creek influence and the, the dialect of the words had changed. And I was like, I, I don't recognize most of this in here. And uh, that's part of it too. It's like, wow, look how the influence on the language changed in just a few generations not over a thousand years, just a few generations. This changed so much. And that's one of the things that fascinates me enough to where I, I think you could write music about this forever. <laughs> you never run out of cool, interesting cultural things to, uh, to inspire you, you know? Uh, but one of my things just for me personally is if this dialect that I know words from, really no longer is spoken or exists like 
I, it might seem like futile, but I think preserving it is something that I'm really interested in, you know? So uh, that's where I'm coming from with that is that I love the old mountain dialect and, you know, uh, people in, in my group had said that it flows like a song. The old language flows like a song when it's spoken properly. And I've never had the, you know, the opportunity to get that good at the, the language. I, I wish I was, but, uh, uh, so you have access, I'm sure to, to the elders in your area that are, that are fluent in that. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's awesome that you can that you can do that. I think it's so cool. Yeah, there's there's a lot of um, resources. I mean, there's even like um, movies that they've, they've uh, translated into the Navajo language. Like, I think Star Wars, and I think most recently, like that Fistful of Dollars, the Clint Eastwood movie. Like, you can buy DVDs like at the like the Navajo Nation uh, Museum. Um, which is not too far from here. I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of people are really um, you know, really doing their, what they can to preserve the language. And, um, you know, there's even like a Rosetta stone for Navajo, which I keep telling myself to pick up, uh, and I still haven't picked up after all these years. I, I did not know that. That's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, I love to look at the language. Like I don't, I can't read it, but I like to look at it. Um, I think I have like the Lord's prayer in a bunch of different languages and that's one of them. Um, I don't know why they always, Everything always gets translated into like Christian stuff, but um, <laughs> those are the examples I end up with, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We even yeah we we have um, there's uh, bookstores you can get, and they they have the the Bible um, in the Navajo language. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I really like the band. I I really dig the bands around here. They're they're just they're they're just a um, lot of lot of really cool um, bands that no one's. Um, really heard of outside of here, so um, yeah. I'm well, I'm going to dig oh. into that this this weekend. This is uh, mostly Arizona, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. I I've actually gotten lucky, and I've reached out to like non um, like you know non native like uh, metal bands, just just stuff that I'm like really into, and I'll you know just shoot them a message, and a lot of times I'll get a good I'll get a response, and um, I'll, I would say like the people I talk to is kind of like the, my playlist of what I really, really like. And I really want to dig into, um, as, as far as just like, you know, the music and the background of the music. So, um, yeah, it's, but mostly it's, it's around here in this area. Yeah. I'd say, uh, outside of what sacred Reich and Flossum and Jetson, I don't think I really know much about Arizona metal bands. And, uh, I haven't been out there since, I think I, would, I went out there in 92 and 93, and I loved it. I, it's still snowing here. I wish I was out there today. It's probably much warmer than here. Um, but uh, yeah, that area is just unbelievably beautiful out there. Just it, it blew my mind. I'd never been west of Ohio, and, you know, three days later, we're driving across the country, and I'm, I'm in uh, Flagstaff, you know, and... Yeah, we went through Phoenix. Yeah. I had my mom's cousins were in Phoenix at the time. I think they live in like closer to Cottonwood, Sedona now. And uh, we went through Tuba City and Four Corners, Grand Canyon, and 
God, that's like, that was very, very important in my life, seeing something outside of the East, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. need to get back out there. Oh yeah, it's 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 all around here too. The city's like two hours away. Um, yeah, the weather's nice. It snowed a few days ago. That might have been the the snowstorm that you talked about. That that it probably um, was the same system. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. But it's it's all gone. I mean, the snow's all like oh, pretty much all gone. And it's just it's just a little windy, but um, yeah, it is. You're right. It is kind of a we're 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 lucky to have. Uh, pretty decent weather around this time of year oh just gorgeous views too um i've got pictures from back then standing at standing on the four corners in all the states at the same time and um i don't know i remember going through for some reason i remember that that hotel tuba city and like eating at a dairy queen i think i don't know this is cool when was that 1992 i was out there so um yeah, I need to I need to revisit it. It's been it's been thirty years. So yeah, yeah, hopefully yeah. I I'll, I'll get my son out there and uh get my, my girlfriend and her kids and we'll take a trip out there. They need that. I think it's important to go across the country or yeah, you know, go somewhere really far away and see see things in a in a different light yeah, than where you grew of, up, you know. There's a lot of cool like hiking trails too, like even like where I live, like just just a few miles from where I'm at. Um, yeah. And like, all over like Flagstaff, Sedona and, uh, Monument Valley. And there's a lot of cool places to like, you know, step, oh, yeah. step foot on I'm and go all hiking. about it. Yeah. I remember, I remember going to, um, petrified forest and, uh, my stepdad was like, like, where's the tree <laughs> looking for trees. It's like petrified rocks laying around. And, uh, yeah is pre-internet where you can't research the place you're going beforehand so um yeah i'd love to get back out there again you got uh, a beautiful area where you're from yeah oh yeah it's, and, it's, and it's, it's beautiful here too and it's in its own way you know we've got um a lot of beautiful hiking around here and west virginia is the mountain state they're not mountains like the the grand tetons or the Himalayas or whatever, but uh, we, st- we do have some some really gorgeous hikes in this area, and in Southwest Pennsylvania as yeah. well. I I love it there too. Um, but and but before before I forget too, thank you for the orders. I appreciate that a lot. And I wanted to ask you: Do you listen to vinyl or collect vinyl at all? Yeah, I got a I got a pretty uh, getting. It's actually getting pretty crowded. I'm I, I, I'm like. I tell myself I'm going to cut back and then I see something. I'm like, all right, I got to get that. Like, um, yeah, I do collect vinyl records. Um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to send you some of ours with the, the package and some older CDs of different projects besides the charge one that we've done, uh, together. Same, same two of us, me and Andrew. Um, oh, wow. but, Appreciate uh, that. yeah, it was just some, yeah, some people are like, ah, oh, it takes up too much space, or I don't have the equipment or something, and and I totally get it. But um, the only one that I don't have, well, there's two that I don't have. Heart of Akamon's been sold out for like five years, and I keep telling them, you guys got to repress this, you know? It, people people keep asking me. They, they like that record. They like that record probably the best of, of anything that we put out, and it's been sold out on vinyl reorder it it'll it'll do well and i don't know they're they're real 
they're like me. They procrastinate and they put stuff off and, and yeah. until the last minute. And uh, sometimes it, it comes back to bite you. Uh, but I don't have that split with Panopticon anymore. Uh, I sold out of that probably a month or two ago, or I'd send you one of those too, but I'm out of them. But I have the split with Blake and the Oto record on Black Wax, and I'll send I'll send all that stuff out to you uh, oh tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, so, that's, that's no, really I said you're more than welcome. I think that uh, I think you'll enjoy those. Um, the the Oto record, just uh, FYI, is uh, it's cut at 45 RPM. Oh, yeah. So if you put it on and it sounds really weird, you got to switch it to 45. I don't know why they did that. Okay. Yeah. So, no, that's 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 super generous. Um, thank you. Um, oh no, man, my pleasure. Yeah. I, I yeah. I do. I do have the the Heart of Akamon, um, the CD, and then I also was able to get the Ancient Pulse CD uh, a couple of weeks ago or a couple months ago. And um, yeah, yeah I, I put in an order for um, the other album. Um, I believe it's the the second album. Um, yeah, Azimuth. I, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, uh, mostly about mound builder culture in, in our area, uh, which goes really far back. But um, it, it's interesting and sad all at the same time because like my town has i'm going to say 2500 people in it and at one time there were 200 mounds in my town and there's like kind of none left there's there's the remnants of one that has a house on it and uh there's two just south of my town that i go to all the time as kind of a like prayer connection spot and i have to kind of sneak because they're private property One's owned by a gas company, which is really fucked up. Uh-huh. But um, the school that I'm teaching at now, though, the guy um, who's our principal, his first career was an archaeologist. And I started talking to him, and first thing, he's like, well, I'm going to get on the phone with the state archaeologist so that we can go in there anytime you want. I'm like, wow, that's really cool, you know? He's like, yeah, I have a friend at that company. Nobody's going to care if you go down around there. So, like... There's ways around things, but um, you go up and down this Ohio River, and we have these mounds from Adena and Hopewell culture. Adena's, it's, it's, I don't know if you've studied mound, mound builder culture, oh, no, but. No, I'm not, not too familiar. No, I'm actually not familiar at all. <laughs> Adena is like a, a made up word that some, I don't know, somebody studying it gave it, but it's basically, basically like proto Cherokee culture from 3,000 to 2,500 years ago uh, when Cherokee ancestors were in this area and not down in Tennessee, North Carolina area. And uh, Hopewell in this area built like geometric figures and earthen walls that were parallel, they would go for like 60 miles. And these shapes, octagons and stuff that you really can only see from the air. It's like, how did you, how did you know how, how to do that? And I find that stuff fascinating because a lot of it's still here in West Virginia and Ohio and Pennsylvania. And you can identify them by, by type and say, well, you know, this group is Hopewell. This goes, these are ancestors of the Shawnee. Algonquin tribes around here. You have a 
a new album for Nachachwan coming out right this year. Uh, Kinawa yeah. Black. Yeah, Kanawha Black. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk um, about that? Kind of it, like you know, is it going to be more along the lines of like Heart of Akamon as far as like the the lyrical content and the um, musical content? Um. Yeah. Well. Well. First off, uh, some good news. I'm being told that we're supposed to have the records in at the end of March. Um, I, before I was told end of April, early May, a month earlier is way better than a month later. So, um, uh, that's going to be here before you know it. Uh, obviously it takes a while for vinyl now with, um, I don't know what, I don't know what the holdups are. I'm, I assume they're COVID related and, um, supply related, but, um, those should be in fairly soon. And, um, as far as I know, it's going to be a, um, vinyl CD and digital combo for like one low price. I don't know if they're going to make separate CDs of this too. Um, but so far that's, that's what we have coming here soon. Uh, the record is, I, it's, it's kind of the opposite of the trajectory of a lot of bands, but I, I think that every record we come out with keeps getting heavier. Like uh, the second record, Azimuths, when we started mixing in metal elements, was maybe 30% metal uh, and 70% other stuff, ambient, acoustic guitars, things like that. And uh, Oto was half and half. Um, Akamon obviously was much more uh, much more metal content on that one. This is even more so. In fact, uh, we're doing an acoustic set at Fire in the Mountains this summer in uh, Wyoming, and having a hard time finding anything acoustic to play from that record. There's pieces here and there, but it's really more of a metal album. From start to finish, there there are some some quieter passages in that. Um, this is less, I would say, focused on specific history. Like, um, you know, we had some some stuff that was based off of uh, battles and things. I guess there is a, a song about about war on the new one, um, but it's a slightly different slant on it. Our thoughts with this one, um, Generations of War, from from the new record, is what did it feel like being, say, 10, 11 years old in, in the frontier? Well, in, in my mind, the frontier here is the Ohio Valley. Thrust into a battle for the first time with like a flintlock and being shot at at 10, 11, like I didn't know what was going on. I just started playing guitar and I was in like fifth grade, you know, going on the bus when I was that old. Imagine being in a, in a ravine waiting to get shot and, you know, going hand to hand combat and stuff that happened all the time here during the time period that we're talking about. So, um, it's a little more, I don't know, gruesome that way. It's a little more visceral than just a story of ah, two forces clashing and, and battling and stuff. So that was a little different slant for, for this record. But overall, there's not a lot of, you know, historical battle type of stuff. Um, we do have 
a song. Um, we have a song that's a, basically a legend that I heard um, about the Laurel Highlands of Pennsylvania that I was talking about along the Yakagani River. Mm-hmm. Back in the 1750s, George Washington was like a young man that got hired to walk far distances, including into the, the town where I'm talking to you from, and measure things as a surveyor for, for the British. And the story that I heard, and I have found nothing to back this up other than I completely trust the person that, that told me this story. Uh, for whatever that's worth to anyone else, it's worth a lot to me. Um, apparently, Washington was taking a break along the Okagani River and a great horned serpent came out of the water and like jumped up and grabbed a deer off the side and just like devoured it and pulled it back down into the water. And I'm like thinking about that for days. Like, what did that look like? Like this wasn't some Indian kid. This was like George Washington. If he saw that, wonder what he thought about that. And I, I just never let go of that image in my mind. And I uh, started writing this, the song called the murky deep. And that's just how it turned out was like from the perspective of, you know, this, this young British American kid seeing something uh, from the supernatural world, you know, from the spirit world come up out of this, out of this water and, and take down an animal in front of them. So that's a little different. Um, We have a song about ramps and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that term, uh, it's a it's a pretty it's an Appalachian specific. I'm not talking the thing that you walk up to get to get to a higher place. Uh, ramps are like wild leeks, like onions, okay. like big bulbous leeks that grow in Appalachia, and they come out in March. And um, usually, when you're a kid, you don't like them that much because they're super pungent. They make your breath smell like onions for like three, four days. Uh, you probably think, why the hell are you writing metal song about this? But um, they're very important because they're so high in vitamins and minerals that they're almost like a magical, like like a tonic type of thing. You come out of winter and you don't have as much fresh food available to you because all the plants are, you know, dormant and covered with snow and such. And so you get a lot of meat to eat maybe from hunting, but these ramps come up in the spring and it's like a sign of hope. Like, Oh man, you know, pretty soon these trees are going to be popping. There's going to be all kinds of stuff to to gather. And, um, those ramps make you feel better because it's nutrients that you haven't had all winter. So I wrote this really slow doom, like funeral, funeral doom paced song. Uh, this is, uh, you know how Akamon ends? Kishela Makong. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a poem. It's kind of like that, but imagine if that poem was like, like Mournful Congregation did it, or, uh, you know, some, some like funeral doom band type of approach. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's, that's a little awesome. different for us. We've ne- yeah, we've never really done a song like that before. And uh, it's kind of short and sweet. And I, I don't really consider songs to have to have a verse, chorus, bridge part, like traditional songwriting, they can be a part that creates an atmosphere and, you know, that can be its own thing. 
And uh, we have a song. I guess I've, I should have gone in order here. The one that uh, I sent you the video for, and uh, your listeners here, like this, really the only thing we've released so far from this is is a video that that I made, uh, lyric video for Canal Black, the the title track, and that song is is our tribute to West Virginia. Canal um, is really old word. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure of the origin. Um, but this goes back to ancient times. It might be a Yuki word or like a Monongahela word. Um, almost back to like mound builder times, but it's a river that flows through Charleston, West Virginia, and it feeds into the Ohio river. And it's archeologically and historically very significant. And the term Kanawha black is actually, it's kind of a play on words. Uh, Kanawha black is a type of flint that's been used for, I don't know, 14,000 years, something like that, for uh, tools and, and spear points, at lateral points, uh, things like that. And uh, so obviously there's that connection, you know, that you can go through some of the creeks around here and still find points and, you know, chunks of this canal black flint, among other types. But I took it as like, this land here has, even from prehistoric times, been been mysterious. Like, there's there's a lot of stuff people have gone back and forth on. You know, I grew up here, and oh, nobody lived in West Virginia in those times. It was just a hunting ground, and nobody lived here. And, and that's that's bullshit. There's been people here for ever, like such a long time. And um, but some of the things that happened here, like the the battles and things that, that we've made songs about before along the frontier and then things in prehistoric times as well that we don't know so much about, uh, things that have been found from Adena and Hopo cultures that are super, super uh, mysterious and part of that great death cult that came up from the South 2,000 years ago or so, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a dark, mysterious land and you, if you go into modern times, we have a lot of issues here, poverty and opioid addiction. And we're always like 47th, 48th, 49th in the country and things like infrastructure and, you know, poverty and health and things like that. So it's kind of a play on words be, be, between the actual flint that it is, the actual you know, stone and uh, a black cloud that's kind of always been over this area in th- this land. So that song's a tribute to uh, to our home place, where we're from. Uh, we have a song called Visions, Dreams, and Signs. And uh, this one is, is pretty personal. Um, I'll say musically, it's probably the closest that I, I've gotten to my influences of bands like Emperor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. I'm talking like uh, early, I'm not comparing myself to them. They're like masters of that stuff. And, but uh, Emperor, I like the atmosphere of bands like, like Woden's Throne and Winter Phillips and, and stuff like that. But this is, a, yeah, a little closer to that like mid 90s, early 90s uh, Emperor type of feel with our own spin on it. 
And uh, the thought was like, every time I get together with, with Andrew, um, that's the other half of this project, we might go hiking or something. Uh, we might, I don't know, just meet up somewhere in a park or, or, or do sweat or, or something. And uh, every time there's something going on with a bird, you know, I remember one time we were out and he said, do hummingbird have, hummingbirds have feet? And I was like, yeah, I think so, right? And then this hummingbird comes over and just like lands right next to him. Um, whenever we're talking about it, it's like we get these weird things from birds. But uh, the main thing is that we seem to get every time somebody close to us passes away, we have a closer encounter with like an owl, with a um, hawk when a good friend of ours died. And they're just like little personal things. And maybe you're more open to, to hearing those types of things when you're in that state of mind, when you lose someone close to you. But, you know, the, the way I see it is, no, that was uncanny. That, that was not a coincidence. So I had to write a song about that. Uh, I'd lost a, a friend, uh, unfortunately, to suicide. Um, was, um, and that night, I had heard owls down by the river. Uh, I'm about three blocks back from the Ohio River where I live. And I, I never hear that when I'm sitting out on the porch, not in a town like this. I just thought that was like really, really something. And, uh, you know, we had uh, another close friend of ours that passed uh, just before COVID hit uh, from cancer. And uh, they had a bird encounter from that, too. So visions, dreams and signs are uh, when you get into the lyrics of it, it'll it'll make more sense than than any explanation I'm given here. But uh, that one is uh, really personal because. I've had so many instances like that where, you know, you're getting a message and you're trying to uh, not be unsettled by that to, you know, try to understand what it means. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's interesting. You brought that up because uh, I mean, one of the, you know, traditions that, you know, hearing um, growing up is, yeah, definitely like, you know, having, having an encounter with an owl was usually, uh, had like a, is usually like a bad omen or, you know, there's like, you know, it could be death or it could be, you know, something, uh, negative was, you know, um, in the, in the, that person's like near future. So that's, or a recent past. So yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the, uh, traditional, um, like teachings that we, we, um, I remember that we grew up around, around here in the Navajo area. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's really, that's really, um, I guess, uh, uh, really, you know, coincidental that you, you've had those encounters and, you know, it definitely does fall in line with our teachings. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I had learned very similar things, um, growing up as well. And, um, you get so wrapped up, or at least me, I, I get wrapped up in life and I forget about that stuff. And it's almost like, Hey, you know, all this clutter that you're looking at every day, there's like really important things that you need to pay attention to. And sometimes they have to get in your face for you to recognize it um, instead of more subtle signs. But I think that that song is, you know, an opportunity to reflect on that. And uh, for me to, every time I put that on, um, I'm reminded like, you need to listen. (laughs) Yeah. You listen sometimes, you know, 
Um, we have a, a song on there. There's only seven. There's seven tracks. It's, I think, 41 minutes. Um, I don't like really long albums, which when you get that azimuth CD, you'll say, wait a minute, this is like an hour long. But that was an exception. If I could go back in time, I probably would have, you know, organized that a little a little differently, maybe a 40-minute album and a 20-minute EP or something. But, um, you know, it, it is still, I, I'm, you know, I am proud of it and everything. But um, I like to have one record where side A and side B are balanced so nothing sounds crappy at the end of the side. You know what I mean? Too yeah. many grooves packed close together. So, so about 21 minutes a side is what I try to shoot for. I don't let it dictate the music or anything, but, you know, that's kind of in the back of my mind when we're making records. And uh, this song, Across the Divide, is possibly my favorite song that we've, we've ever done. Um, it's not real concrete or historical lyrically. It's more uh, poetic and personal and, and pretty simple, and I think something that anyone from any background could relate to it's basically like that um i guess you could say like we try to we try to travel a straight path in life and and we get knocked off of it we get up and down throughout life and we want to keep like a straightened path and you know i we did a song about that before it gets us makana which became uh the red road on the split with panopticon um so i i thought a little bit further on that and maybe just like i'm out on a, a quest or something through the woods to find myself again or something you know or maybe it's just uh an overnight hike for fun but I, I, I pictured this guy going in the wintertime across this like really difficult landscape with a lot of snow and stuff and running out of food and, and just like really like, why am I doing this? Why am I pushing my body to do this? Like, I wish I had never gone and second guessing yourself. And then you're trying to get warm and then you build a fire and in the night you kind of rest up and, and in the morning the sun comes up and it's like, oh, okay, I remember why I was on this path. Like uh, one of the the lines in there is the snow in the valley entrances your eye. You see this like path down below of like, wow, that's so beautiful, even though I'm kind of cold and uncomfortable. Um, I'm halfway there. Let's go. The next half of this is going to be a really, really enjoyable, like productive experience. And I think that's a metaphor for life because I'm like in middle age now. And I'm trying to like deal with that. And I'm like, I'm a lot older than I used to be. What's the next half of my life going to be like? So to me, that song's kind of a metaphor for that. Like it can be, you know, shitty and I can complain about it and, and feel, you know, down all the time or whatever. Like I'm old, this or that. Or I can be like, no, I'm going to embrace every experience that I can. And this is, you know, the downward slope, the second half of life. Yeah. So that midpoint I, I say is, you know, you're trying to get across the divide, like the continental divide, the this or that, or you could like look on the horizon at the ocean or the skyline. The, the land is one part of that divide. The sky is the next. And that's kind of like the, the division between life and whatever comes after life, you know? 
So I guess you're kind of reflective. You, you would think that that's, that's pretty normal uh, to work on an album that long. You're going to get kind of introspective about things, and, and we did. Wow. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. I'm definitely going to, you know, place my order once that, once that album uh, gets available uh, for, for pre-sale. So, yeah, that's, that's really cool. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, it's my favorite so far, and I know everybody says that every time they put a new one out. I know Nico McBrain always says that yeah. every time Iron Maiden puts out. This is the best album we've ever done, and uh, <laughs> it's cliche, but you know I, I do honestly feel that, and uh, so does uh, the two guys from the label, Marty Ritkinen and Austin Lund. And Andrew, the other half of this project, uh, we all four unanimously feel that it's the best thing that we've done so far. Nice. So. Um, yeah, no, thanks for like you know giving me that um, kind of like that walkthrough of the the new album. I hope people listening uh, check it out. You know, either hope you know hopefully they can like pick up the physical copy. But um, yeah, I just hope people um, check it out. It'll be streaming too. I'm sure uh, they're talking about. I don't know who's gonna stream it you know like bands often debut their album through uh you know decibel or no clean singing or whatever i'm sure it'll be premiered through something like that but we don't have a concrete release date yet mm -hmm. i'm hoping that that will be very soon uh we need to figure that out i'm not the best with the pr and the business end of it okay yeah. yeah, so we'll um, see how they do. <laughs> okay, yeah, looking forward to it. And then um, just a kind of couple more things. Um, what other um, what other bands or what other projects are you a part of besides uh, Nachachuan? Well, right now that's it, and we haven't been very active ourselves lately. Um, Andrew has uh, his own band called Iron Flame, and. Uh, quite prolific and um as soon as the as soon as the opportunity arises i think they're going to tour europe again and i don't know maybe they'll do a u.s tour as well uh they were on a roll for a while and then covid shut everything down he has a band called brimstone coven it's uh more of like uh uh not to pigeonhole it but kind of 70s doom uh kind of like if you put uh black sabbath and cream okay. into uh into a blender and uh yeah they're they're on ripple music they were on metal blade for a while and uh really really great stuff and then he's uh the front man for a band called icarus which it's more of traditional heavy metal and they, they've been around for for quite a while they have quite a legacy as well uh, we had some projects over the years that were kind of one-offs. Um, Infirmary was one that's like my my death metal stuff, and uh, yeah, I, I just don't write in that style very very often anymore. And uh, we had another band called Unwilling Flesh that was kind of uh, early Swedish uh, dismember type of stuff, and that was just one album. And we've done some folky type stuff for Force the Soul. Um, but other than that, I'll do a guest spot here and there for different bands. But uh, it, it, it 
it's a current moment. And the Chachman is my only, uh, my only like musical outlet that, that makes records. Uh, yeah. I do my own thing around here locally for, you know, pro- professionally, I, I play gigs. It's basically classical and acoustic guitar. And that could be anything from actual classical music and jazz to arrangements of, um, rock songs or country songs or whatever it is. I just do a variety, uh, for, for catered dinners around Well, I'll say catered. Um, uh, we have like a, like a form to table type of, uh, thing in town here where we do dinners every week. And it's a lot of the same people each week they come to it. And, um, we have a chef that comes down from Pittsburgh and he explains the meal, like what all's in it. And we, incorporate food from local farmers and uh, as, uh, as much organic stuff as, as they can. And um, so I have a steady gig where I play this music on my own, um, just classical and acoustic guitar. And um, I'm not playing in any like actual live metal bands or anything anymore. Uh, maybe someday, but right now that's what I'm doing. And uh yeah, I need to get active with uh, writing some more music for Nachachwin as well. I've kind of let my brain take a little break after this, uh, after that split. Yeah. Well, the two splits, uh, Panopticon and Bleg, and then uh, Pinal Black. Yeah. Um, but you, usually th- this is pretty normal. I kind of like take a little, a little breather after we do an album because I don't want to just spit something out. This stuff takes me a while to like you know, process it, like what, what's worth writing about. And, and I don't want anything to ever sound like phoned in or not genuine or, or something, you know? So it takes us a little while, but I hope it won't take us like another seven years yeah. to do a record. Um, um, I, I need um, to oh, one quick question. I, um, so I, I found um, an interview with uh, you and your, um, your counterpart, uh, Andrew on the Bind mm-hmm. Rune YouTube channel. There was talk of a, yeah. a two albums, so like the heavy album. This is for like newer releases, a heavy album, and then a more like mellow, like acoustic album. Was that still kind of in the works, or um, did anything? Uh, is that something, uh, man? You, you and Andrew are still doing. You do your, you do your homework. Wow, that's uh, that's impressive. That <laughs> you even knew that. Um, I have material uh, that is of an acoustic nature that eventually we'll see release, but it's actually being used for another project right now um, that um, I'm contractually not supposed to talk to media sources about um, because it's not an official thing. But when it when it is made, it, it's going to be very cool and you're going to like it. Um, it it's, it's not in the it's not purely in the musical genre it's a it's in another genre that's all i can say it's being used for something but not a cd that you go buy um it's it's a a collaboration with other artists that i respect and um are probably more well known than i am okay um so sorry to be so vague no that's okay (laughs) we'll have another we'll have another we'll have another conversation off the record about that um, 
but uh, yeah, I'm I'm like contractually not allowed to say anything. Unfortunately, which sounds really lame, but um, yeah, you I, I will yeah I'll share that with you sometime. Okay, and uh, that stuff we'll see the light of day. I think in you know physical form, but probably not as soon as I had thought, and that's why that hasn't happened yet is because of this this other project going on. So it's still something that I want to do anyway. Um, I, I love how Algonquian, I, I love the feel of that. It's listening back now, it, it feels very primitive and, and very, uh, you know, I don't know how else to explain it, except like if you think of the first Black Sabbath album, it was recorded in a day. Like I recorded that album really quickly and I didn't even know what it was going to be at the time. I just knew that I wanted a break from metal and I wanted to talk about or not talk, but I wanted to create art that was based off of local stories and events and um, something that was close to my heart, but I didn't really know how to write books about it. I just said, you know, what am I going to do with these things? How do I express it? And it came out through instrumental, classical, and acoustic pieces, okay. which made made sense, you know, at at the time. But um, I don't know if I could do ten albums of that. But I think another one should exist, and uh, I just need to compile some more ideas for that to get that together. But uh, yeah, that was the the plan for a long time before this you know before this other thing came along with that material so we'll see sorry to be so vague no it's okay that. yeah yeah no i just had to ask I, uh, yeah i you know when i do um these podcasts I, I i try to dig into as much um like interviews or you know just uh things that other people can find online and i try to avoid those um if it you know if there's like an interview like like for example that interview you had on the the Bindrune channel like that that's, uh-huh. that one was a really good like walkthrough of all the albums like in sequential order so i kind of picked some things out of there that i want to ask but you know we did um we did kind of go into like our our backgrounds a little more which i feel like that um during that interview that you know wasn't really mentioned so i'm really glad we got a chance to to touch on our backgrounds yeah um yeah, I, I can't remember it, you know, every detail of it. It's It's been a while since we did that. And I don't know if I ever, like, went back and watched it or anything after we talked on there. Um, that channel is, like, my TV show. They just did one on uh, King Diamond discography the other day and the Maiden discography. And it's just this is a really entertaining show on there, that uh, heavy metallurgy. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy watching it and... Yeah, I've caught a couple of those. Those are really good. Yeah, maybe I'll get back on there again. You should do something like that too on YouTube. Yeah, um, I, I, I just yeah, I, uh, it's really I I I don't know. It's kind of hard like with um, like producing video content. I feel like um, I'm not good at like the editing. Um, I feel like this is the audio editing is pretty pretty easy. Um, but I don't know. I just never. I'd never done any kind of like video projects, but, um, I, yeah, that's something I should look into, but yeah, I, I really, I, I've, I've been a fan of podcasts for like, I don't know, for like 10 or 12 years now. And 
I pretty much just been kind of doing, kind of doing similar, like doing something similar to what other like uh, metal podcasts do, but I mainly just kind of, kind of go into the local area around here with a lot of the different local, uh, local bands and local people uh, involved with the, the metal scene around here on the Navajo Reservation. Um, well, now that I think about it, a lot of the time when I'm listening to those broadcasts that are video on YouTube, I put my phone in my pocket and I'm like washing the dishes or cutting the grass or, you know, whatever, cleaning, you know, tasks. I'm not like really watching it. I'm just listening to what they're saying. So, you know, you made a good point. A podcast is fine with me. It just seems like a lot of people are doing the videos. So um, are these up on YouTube? As well, uh, I'm 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 slowly getting onto YouTube. I've uploaded the last two on YouTube. Um, I really need to kind of um, kind of go back into my older uh, interviews and just try to get all of them get all of them just up on there. Um, but um, that's one of my uh, things on my to do list. But I think this one will. I'll I'll definitely um, um, make a make a YouTube um, uh, of this uh, interview. But I, I primarily do like. Um, like Apple, like iTunes, um, Spotify. Um, okay. And then, um, like SoundCloud, like the, the more popular ones. Um, and then, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to try to get more of my stuff on the, on YouTube. Um, it's just, it's just another way to well, like, reach out. out. Yeah. Another way to reach out and get, kind of get the, it, it's more, more so it's mostly just like the, the people I'm talking to that I really want to get more, you know, people, uh, exposed to and um especially around here i feel like there's just a, a really cool like thriving scene around here it's just that um you know it, it's it people around here know about the bands but you know once you start going like outside of like arizona new mexico you know there's not a whole lot of like um like listeners so um yeah that was just something i really wanted to to achieve is just try to like kind of push this uh the scene around here to you know places that you know, people wouldn't um, come wouldn't, wouldn't normally come across. So, um, my 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 ultimate like um, I guess my one of the things that I kind of think about was, is that I really hope that one of the bands around here on the reservation gets on like a like a like a well-known metal label. Like that'd be so cool. I, I really like hope one of these bands kind of gets that recognition. Um, yeah, a lot of the bands here, you know, they they get really. They, I feel like they get a lot of momentum and then, you know, life starts to happen and then they kind of slow down with their music. But, you know, there's always younger um, artists on younger musicians that are, you know, uh, coming in right after to kind of pick up on that momentum. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I just, well, that's the, the plight of the metal band to to begin with that. It's from the dawn of time, or since the the beginning of the genre that's happened to metal bands. I mean, my area is no exception. It's a, it's exactly like that, and uh, you know, it could be run out of ideas. It could be you know, two of the guys are fighting over something, you know, or money or or whatever it is. Is there's, there's always a challenge to keeping things together and why it amazes me that there's bands out there that have been together for like 35 40 years i don't know how they do it and, and not just the ones where it's one guy hiring a bunch of new people but you know bands where they have essentially the same lineup or a similar lineup like iron maiden you know 
Metallica. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that that's true. I mean, I think, yeah, you're right. Just life happens and then, you know, things change, you know, the music style changes and yeah, eventually, you know, there's just, uh, you know, life just kind of, you know, takes, takes over. So, all right. Um, I think I'm pretty much, uh, I think those are all my questions. I'm going to stop the recorder one second. That was my talk with Aaron Carey of Nachachuan. Um, again, really thankful for him to take the time to talk with me about himself and his music. Uh, one thing that kind of stood out about that talk was uh, just, um, you know, how connected we are to our languages and our culture. You know, um, I feel like for uh, for Aaron, the connection is, you know, done through like, you know, his music and, you know, he conducts, you know, his own research and, you know, uh, talks with people um, about what he's singing about and what he's writing about. And then, you know, for, you know, out here in the Navajo area, I feel like we're, we're lucky to have a lot of people who still are fluent. And there's a lot of like, um, just a lot of ways that, you know, the language is still, you know, kept uh, alive, you know, with like the KTN radio and the different sources of media, you know, there's textbooks, there's classes, there's, you know, online resources. So, you know, really just a really interesting, like, you know, um, uh, there's like a disparity, you know, like I feel like out there, the language is so scarce over here. It's so vast and rich. But um, yeah, anyway, that was just something I uh, was thinking about when I was editing. Um, but yeah, be sure to follow Nachachuan and Bind Rune Recordings on social media. Um, be sure to, you know, stream Nachachuan or pick up um, the physical albums uh, and be on the lookout for the new album, Canal Black, which should be coming out this spring. I'm going to go ahead and play that full uh, song that I played earlier. Uh, it's the title song off the album Canal Black. All right, check it out. And thank you, Akiha, for listening.